I'd like to just start this uh, message with some encouraging words straight from the Lord. And I want you to just uh, hold out your hands just like this and just, just receive these words that come straight out of the scriptures and God is speaking to you and he's speaking to me when he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, I am with you, I am your God. I will hold your right hand. I will strengthen you and I will help you. In fact, I'm going to hold you up with my victorious right hand. I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Jesus said, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified. The Lord your God, the Lord himself will go before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Even in the dark places of the soul, Phil, even in the dark places of the soul. Well, Lord, what about the, the low valleys of my life? Yes, even in the low valleys of your life. What about those times when everything seems to be unraveling and everything all around me is in chaos? What am I supposed to do then? You trust in the Lord and you remember these words because he is with you. He has promised to be. Some of you right now are in trouble. Some of you are not sure how to process what's happening in your lives and what's happening all around you. You don't know what to do with the future because it's so unclear. You don't know what to do with what you're feeling inside. My heart is so heavy for some of you we are hearing stories and I hate that we can't be together. I hate that in some of your dark times, I can't personally walk alongside of you and be there and just give you a hug and pray over you and lay hands on you. And so I'm gonna work on some of that today just in this message, but we really need to be praying for the Kibbit family. If you've been following the news, you heard about the shooting that took place at the Speedway store off of 15. And Victor, our brother, was going to work, picking up his truck, and was senselessly shot four times. And I, I, I want to report to you that he's doing well, as, as well as could be. He's had a couple of surgeries already, but he reported through Luba, his wife, to me last night that he's grateful for our prayers and he's happy to be alive. And I want to, uh, in fact, I want to pray for them right now. So let's, let's pray together. And, 
Lord, this family needs your help. And Victor needs your help. He needs your healing touch. He needs you to come alongside of him and give the doctors incredible and nurses and those who are working. We're so thankful for them and their skill. And I pray that you will strengthen them as they work on Victor and his all of the things that are going on as a result of these gunshot wounds and that you will give them wisdom and skill and direct their hands as they work and but I pray because, Lord, you are the great physician and you can touch people's lives. You can touch their physical lives and heal them. You've done it so many times. And I pray that you'll reach down in and you will just touch his body and you will strengthen his body and you will heal his body and raise him up out of that bed, Lord. But I pray for this family as they find themselves in a deep, dark pit today. And many others that are hearing my voice right now that are in a pit of desperation. They're not sure what to do. They don't even know how they got down there. They don't know why they're down there and they don't know how to get out. And Lord, I just pray that they will find strength today and that they will find strength in these words that they don't have to be afraid and they don't have to be discouraged because you are with them. And that you will be with them and that you will never leave them and never forsake them. Help them to find strength in these words today. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. These things are hard that we're going through in our lives and sometimes we find ourselves in the pit of despair, in a pit of wilderness experience and a dark place in our lives, just like Joseph found himself in our story when Genesis 29, 39, 20 says that Joseph was put into prison. Potiphar took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and here's four tragic words, and there he remained. This is where we're going to be in the life of Joseph today, so I'd encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 39, verse 21. The sermon title today is In the Pit Again. Now we know, and we've been studying and following this, that Joseph is in the middle of his own personal wilderness experience. And... Um, it's a confusing time that he's in the middle of because we've already seen that God gave Joseph in a time of peace, he gave Joseph a dream and a, a vision of his future that God had planned for him some great, big, miraculous, God-sized, supernatural plans for Joseph's life. And you remember that because we've been studying that. And so he has that in his mind, and he knows that God has these big plans for him, and some awesome things are going to happen, and guaranteed, Joseph did not see this coming. In fact, he never anticipated, after receiving the vision from the Lord, he never anticipated ongoing continuous mistreatment. I mean, he's like in some kind of deja vu land right now. See, it started out where his brothers hated him. 
And so they wanted to kill him. They wanted to be done with him, get him out of their life. So they throw him into this pit. They were going to kill him. They decide not to kill him. Instead, sell him to a slave trader. And they take him down to Egypt, far away from everything that he loves, far away from everything that he knows. And he, he gets down into Egypt, into the house of a man, a powerful man called Potiphar, only to be falsely accused of rape by his wife. And now we find here in verse 20 that Potiphar threw him into prison, and then these four words, and there he remained in the pit again. He started out in the pit, he was brought out, taken down to Egypt, and now he's back in the pit again, and there he remained. Well, where was God in all of this? In fact, some of you might be finding yourselves either in a pit or in a pit again, and you're asking the question, where is God in all of this? In fact, I can imagine Joseph sitting there in prison thinking, this is so unfair. I would be. I did nothing wrong. God, if you're... If you're with me, what are you up to? This doesn't make any sense. You said that I was going to be elevated and exalted. There's no way mom and dad and the boys are going to come down here and bow before me in this pit. It's never going to happen. What are you up to and what are you doing? Why am I sitting here? In fact, it's too bad that he didn't have the little pocketbook of psalms to read right now, you know, in, in our time of, of struggle. I'm sure we all have these little devotional books and stuff that we read, which are really good for us. But too bad he didn't have that so that he could read, had read what David learned about God. And what David learned in the middle of his, the dungeon, you might say, of his wilderness when he was being hunted and he was fearing for his life, where he wrote things like this about God. He said, I lift my eyes to the mountains for help. Where does my help come from? And then he stops and he remembers his Lord and this is what he says. My help comes from the Lord. Not the mountains. My help comes from the Lord who is the creator who made the heavens and the earth. Who made these mountains that we cry out to. Where does my help come from? He goes on to write and David would have read or, or Joseph would have read if he had this little booklet he would have read there's no need to fear or to be discouraged in the middle of your pit experience. God's not asleep. He's fully awake. He's fully alert to my needs. He won't let my foot slip. He's watching over me. He's watching my life. In fact, he's always watching my coming and my going and he will be continue to watch over me. Forever and ever. In fact, he would have read something that David wrote like this. It was good for me that I was afflicted. And he would have been able to draw strength from those words from someone else who had gone through a pit experience. And so the question I have, is God in our pit experiences? Is God in your pit experiences? The answer is yes, in fact, he's actually called us to these experiences. If you go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, 
You'll see in verse 20 and 21, Peter wants us to understand this. He says, if you suffer for good or for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Now look at verse 21. To this you were called. To what? To suffering. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. We just, we just celebrated that. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. But the message is that in the middle of the suffering, you don't need to be afraid because God has called you to that place. And he, God himself, is there with you in the pit just like he was with Joseph. Take a look at verse 21 of Genesis 39. Get out your pen because I want you to underline a couple of things in this passage. The Lord was with Joseph. Now the words right before is, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. Underline that. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph, underline those or circle those. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. So now he has favor with the warden, the guy who's over the prison. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Does that sound familiar or what? We can go back and see the very same thing happen. So Joseph is in the pit. He's brought up out of the pit, sold into slavery, taken down to Egypt. He's put into Potiphar's house, but the Lord was with him at Potiphar's house. He's a slave now. And he made everything that Joseph did succeed to the point where Potiphar put everything in his charge. And the scripture says he didn't worry about one thing except what he was going to have for dinner at night. And now he's back in the prison. Now he's back in the pit. And the very same thing is happening. The warden puts everything under his care. And he doesn't worry about a thing. Because, look at the end of verse 23. The Lord was with him. Take a pen and circle that or underline that and cause everything he did to succeed. My friends, listen to me. God is true to his promises. We just sang a song that God is always faithful and God is always victorious. You don't have to be afraid and you don't have to be discouraged or frustrated or terrified because the Lord promises that he will be with you. And he has gone before you. And he says, I will still hold your hand. I will never leave your side, so be strong and courageous. I've got you. Just like I was with Joseph down in his pit, I've got you in the middle of your pit, and I will never leave you alone. That's a promise from the Lord. And the Lord has never gone back on a promise. He's never made a promise that he hasn't fulfilled. You need to take it to the bank in your own wilderness experience. He never left Joseph. The scripture says he showered him with his love. He gave him favor. He made him successful in everything that he did. Now that doesn't mean, now you, you need to listen closely to this because it doesn't mean that the mistreatment is easy to bear. It doesn't mean that there's a giant party going on down there. I'm sure that that wasn't happening in Joseph's heart and Joseph was wrestling with the discouragement and everything that comes along with these experiences, just like you and I do. But what it means is that with the knowledge that we have that God is faithful and it's all part of his plan, then the mistreatment and the punishment that we experience down there is bearable and it's doable 
and it's actually profitable, and we're gonna see that in this story. So let's go to 40, chapter 40 now, in verse one. And the rest of the time, I haven't given you an outline today, we're just gonna walk down through the narrative, and I'm gonna draw some practical aspects out of it, okay? So verse one of chapter 40 of Genesis. Some time later, and we don't know how long that is, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Now let me just say for you kids what a cupbearer is and what a chief baker is. I think you would know what a baker is. You might not know what a cupbearer is. So these were two very trusted men of Pharaoh. We're not talking about Potiphar anymore. Now we're talking about Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world at the time, leading the most powerful nation. And these two men were pretty important because the cupbearer's job was that he would... He would taste everything. So he was the most trusted guy next to Pharaoh because people might have wanted to poison the king, right? And so he would taste everything that was brought, whatever food was brought, whatever drink was brought, and he would taste it and he would eat it beforehand. And if it was poison, then he would die before Pharaoh. And so he was a very trusted individual, and that was his job. And the chief baker was the the guy in charge of all the things that were brought before Pharaoh to eat. So these guys were pretty high up in Pharaoh's court, and some way they offended Pharaoh. And verse two says, Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and put them in a prison where Joseph was. It was in the palace of the captain of the guard, and they remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. Here's an interesting point. Just look at verse four. Who is the captain of the guard? Do you remember? So it's interesting if you're not careful and you're not watching, you might think that the warden put Joseph in, these two guys in the care of Joseph, but it wasn't. It was the captain of the guard. The captain of the guard is Potiphar, which makes me think maybe Potiphar didn't fully believe his wife, but that's for another story some other time. But Joseph had such a reputation with Potiphar that when these two high-ranking officials were thrown into his prison, he said, hey, get Joseph. I want Joseph to tend to them. So that's what happened. Now, let me just go here for, for a little bit because I want to ask you a question. Get ready to write down the answer, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you the answer. Here's the question. How long can you and Joseph bear up under the weight of mistreatment and unjust punishment? How long can you do that? How long can anybody of God's people, how long can we bear up under the weight of mistreatment and unjust punishment? The answer is this. You ready? As long as it takes for God to do his work in you so that you are strong enough to do the work he plans to do through you. I'm going to say that again. How long does it, how long can you bear up underneath the weight of mistreatment and unjust punishment? Here's the answer. As long as it takes for God to do his work in you so that you are strong enough to do the work he plans to do through you in the future. Now, while you're writing that down, I just want to give you this this fact. Joseph is now 28 years old when we get to verse 5 of chapter 40. And we know that because in chapter 41, verse 46, Joseph is introduced to Pharaoh and and tells him his dreams, and Pharaoh puts him in charge of things in his own palace, and the scripture says that he's 30 years old at that point. If you go to verse one, you remember, uh, or or you haven't been there yet, but verse one of 41 says, and two years passed. Okay, so he was 30 when Pharaoh put him into service in his house. 
But two years had passed since the baker and the butler's dreams came to be, and so here we are at 28 years old. Now what we know, if we go back, is that Joseph was 17 years old whenever he went into Potiphar's house. We don't know how long, how much time had passed. Some believe he maybe was 18, 19, or 20 years old, something like that, when Potiphar's wife um, started making uh, a pass at him and started to um, entice him to come to bed with her. And so somewhere in there, so he's 17, 18, 19 years old, and now he's 28 years old, so he has spent somewhere between 8 and 10 years in prison. So when it says, and there he remained, he remained for a long time in prison before this whole story, which we find ourselves here in in verse 5 of chapter 40. That's a long time, my friends. Our attitude towards these pit experiences that we find ourselves in, and sometimes they're very long, our attitude should be that we see it as a great opportunity for us to build spiritual muscle so that we can have the strength for what's coming next. Because you won't be down there forever. God doesn't have us down in our pit experiences forever. We don't know, and we're waiting just like Joseph. We don't know how long we're gonna be in there, but we won't be in there forever. In fact, look at what James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. Now, the scripture says an opportunity for great joy, but I just want to stop on an opportunity. Consider it an opportunity. This is how James wants you and me and Joseph to view our troubles. That they're there as an opportunity. It reminds me of Sean Fox, our discipleship pastor. He comes into my office regularly and he's got this little smirk in his face and he sits down and he says, I have an opportunity for you. And what he means by that is we have a problem we need to work on. But see, what Sean has got the perspective on that we are supposed to have the perspective on, that James wants us to have the perspective on our struggles is that they're there as an opportunity for us. Why? Verse three of James chapter one. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance Your strength, your capacity has a chance to grow, so let it grow. Don't try to get out from underneath it, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Our pit experiences that we find ourselves in, like Joseph has found himself in a very long time, they're like extended times in the gym when you go to work out. Many of us need to Hopefully the gyms will open up soon here. Many of us need to get at it um, again. But here's what you know if you spend any time in the gym at all. The longer you stay in the gym, the stronger you become. These experiences are our opportunity to work out and to grow and to fully develop our endurance and our capacity and our strength. These trials that we find ourselves in and that we're going through And many times over long periods of time are spiritual strength training sessions that are preparing us for even greater times of testing in the future. And when that work is accomplished, and God knows when that is because it's as long as it takes for him to accomplish in us what he needs to, then we are equipped to take on the great, big, supernatural, God-sized conquest that he has planned for every single one of our lives just like he did for Joseph. And he's got those things planned for our future. Let's keep going. Look at verse five in Genesis chapter 40. While they were in prison, 
Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. So they, they were pretty upset about these dreams that they had. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. Now, he didn't know that he had a dream, so what is, what is going on? I wanna, at this point, I want to say, really, Joseph? I mean, is it not obvious? Well, you know, these two guys were pretty high up in Pharaoh's court, and now they're in prison. Do you really have to ask them why they look worried, why they are downcast? They're in prison, for heaven's sake. You know, is Joseph just being some kind of weird Pollyanna here? Is he, is he just trying to, like, come in and say, the sun will come out tomorrow. Just hang on, guys. Just be, don't be, don't be down. I don't, I don't think so. It, it's possible that there is something else going on here. Because while he's in his pit experience, the scripture says that God showered his love on him. He was with him. Made him successful. Gave him favor. So he was alongside of him. We don't exactly know how the Lord was with him, probably like he is with us by his spirit. I wonder if Joseph, by this point, had developed a perspective on his pit experience like David had. When David writes, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. I wonder if Joseph had begun to develop a perspective that allows a person to do things while in the pit and have attitudes while in the pit that no one else can because they have the Holy Spirit of God ministering to them and therefore these experiences that they have are not the down thing that they are always thinking that you always think you're going to have in there. Somehow there is um, a perspective on it that's totally different because there's a purpose in it. It's a place where God's peace that passes understanding comes to us. It's a place where his love and his grace that comes rushing in, bringing strength and wisdom and help in our time of need comes into our lives. In fact, have you ever been there? Have you ever, have you ever seen families going through hard times? I mean, deep, dark, pit experiences, and you ask yourself, how are they doing it? I mean, how is she making it? How are they... How are they even surviving, let alone standing in the middle of all of this? How are they able to keep their head up, let alone minister to people and reach out to others when they're in their most desperate time of need? Where does that come from where people like Joseph would actually have eyes to see that somebody else was in a deep time of need when he's in the middle of his deep time of need? I'd like to just share with you that it comes from God, and it comes from God in our pit. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 says, The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles, he does this so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. When we're in the middle of our need, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort comes to us in our time of trouble. That's awesome. But the reason that he does it is so that we can comfort those around us in all of their trouble, in any of their trouble, with the same comfort that we receive from the Lord. And we see this happening right here in prison. This is powerful. People that are looking to meet needs, even in the middle of their own suffering, being in tune with those around us who are suffering. 
See, my friends, these are the things that people do when they have the right perspective and the proper attitude in the middle of their pit experiences because they understand why they're there. Look how the guys replied and responded in verse 8. They replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph said. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Now, I'm going to take a little sidebar here and just talk to you about this. Experiences like what Joseph's in the middle of right now are an opportunity and an open door of ministry to introduce people to our great God. Right here we have, these guys are saying, man, we had a dream last night, and we've been asking everybody in this place if they can help us interpret the dream, and nobody knows what the dreams means. And Joseph says to them, um, interpreting dreams is God's business. Tell me yours. It's like, let me introduce you to my awesome God who is helping me Let me help you. Wow. Do you know, my friends, that your pit experience can become a platform for you to minister to others? Do you know that it can be a platform to introduce people to your powerful, awesome God who has been taking care of you and to the Lord Jesus Christ who can bring to them the salvation of their soul that they need and they can only find through Jesus Christ. It becomes a platform, an opportunity for you to say, let me introduce you to Jesus. I'm one of his children. Let me introduce you to my awesome God. I'm one of his children and I can help you. This is what we find Joseph doing here. Some of you, I'm telling you, some of you can turn your prison experience into a prison ministry. It's your opportunity to look around you and you're going to be able to lead people to Jesus right there in the middle of your pit. You don't know who's down there with you and you don't know why God has you down there, but he will lead you to those people and he will lead those people to you, especially if you're the type of person who has the right perspective on why you're down there. Wow, I could just go on all day about that. I have seen so many times in my own life God giving me opportunities to share with people and without the pit experiences, I would never have had that opportunity. In fact, I would never have even connected with those people. One day I was asked to come into the Elkhart County Jail. They wanted to do a victim impact um, day where the inmates come in and hear how Violent crimes affect family members of those victims of the crime. I, I was locked in a room. I was a little anxious about this. I, they locked me in a room with 20 inmates at the jail. And I frankly said to them, you know, I really don't want to be here because the only reason I'm here is because something very, some tragic, horrible Crime was, was committed on our daughter, and the only reason I'm here is because that happened. I'd much rather not have had that happen, so I don't have to be here. But I said to them, I know you don't want to be here either, but we are here, so let me tell you about Jesus. And let me tell you about how he forgave me of my sins and how you can be changed, and that gave me a platform. I would never have had a platform to speak into these men had God not taken us through our own pit experience. 
Well, let's keep going with uh, verse 9 of chapter 40. The chief cupbearer told Joseph his first dream. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me, and the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup, and then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Well, this is what the dream means, Joseph said, so here comes the interpretation of the dream. The three branches present three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. But please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place, for I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. And what's interesting, my friends, is that there's no answer from the cupbearer. I would think that the cupbearer would say, hey, man, if this thing happens and you really are, you know what you're talking about, and I actually, this all takes place, then absolutely I'll tell Pharaoh about you. He doesn't say anything. But the chief baker heard, verse 16, and saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation. He's, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastry stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means. Here comes his interpretation. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. That's a really, really bad thing. And then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. I don't have time to work on this, but I just want to say that you know, Joseph could have told him anything. Joseph knew the interpretation, but he could have told him anything. In fact, he knew the interpretation was he's going to die in three days. So why did he have to tell him? I mean, he could have just not told him, made something up, and the guy would have been dead in three days, and it wouldn't have mattered. He just wouldn't have had to go through the next three days thinking about the fact that he was going to die. I just want to say this, and listen, you young men that are listening to me, listen. Joseph was a young man growing in integrity becoming a man of truth, and truth is a big deal to those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ who is the author of truth. Verse 20, so Pharaoh's birthday came. How many days later? <laughs> Three days later. Isn't that a coincidence? Three days later, Joseph's, or Pharaoh's birthday comes, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff, and he summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other's officials. Now, remember, Joseph is tending to them, so Joseph is fully aware that this has happened. And so he's thinking, all right, this is it. This is what we talked about. This is what God showed us. Verse 21, he then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup, but Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Now, what's Joseph doing right now? I'm going to kind of try to bring a wrap to this. I believe Joseph's sitting in prison right now. He's seen them go. It's been three days, just like the dream had been interpreted. And so Joseph's sitting there saying, here it comes. I can't wait. Right? I mean, wouldn't you be? I can't wait. Here it comes. It's going to happen. Any moment, they're going to be coming for me. In fact, he's already starting to play the movie in his head. The cupbearer is leaning over and telling Pharaoh all about this cool guy in prison who can tell you the interpretation of your dreams, and the dreams will come out exactly the way that he tells you, and he knows some God that could tell him what these dreams mean. And he's down there anticipating every second 
alert to every sound. At any moment, they're going to come and release me. And then we get to verse 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And in verse 1 of chapter 41, two full years later. Two years pass. He's down there. He's anticipating. He knows any moment this is going to happen. Any second now. Any second they're coming for me because certainly the cupbearer would not forget me. And by the way, there's no way the cupbearer forgot. If something miraculous like that happens and some guy tells you exactly what's going to happen and it happens exactly the way he is, he on purpose, for whatever reason, forgot Joseph and didn't pay him one more minute of his time to think about him. And two full years, two years of waiting and two years of hoping, can you imagine every minute of every day, day one, day 10, day 20, Waiting and hoping and waiting and hoping for your deliverance. Waiting and wondering why it isn't happening and waiting and getting frustrated and waiting and getting angry and waiting and, and hollering out to God like, what is happening? And, and then you go into the begging mode and you're like, God, please, you've got to get me out of here. Why is it taking so long? Day 365, day 450. Why is this taking so long? Waiting and getting bitter. Waiting for two full years. And by the way, they're years of silence. We, we aren't even told what happened during those two years. All we know is that the cupbearer is released back into service. And two years later, Joseph's still in prison. No answers, no dreams, no deliverance, no explanation. Man, I'd be so frustrated at this point. I'd be like that dirty, rotten cupbearer. I can't believe it. I mean, I did this nice thing for him, and I interpreted his dream for him, and he lets me down. I'll never do anything nice for anybody ever again. I get sold into slavery into Potiphar's house. I do everything I'm supposed to do. I obey all the rules. I serve him every way that I can. And what do I get for it? I get falsely accused and thrown into prison. I'm down here in prison. I'm making the most of it. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Everything that I think is going to honor God right in the middle of this prison thing. And I'm serving the warden. And now he, he puts me in charge of everything. I do this nice thing. I'm tired of doing nice things. I'm tired of doing the right thing because I always end up getting the raw end of the deal here. What I'm describing to you right now is called disillusionment. My friends, please listen. Disillusionment comes when we put our hope and our trust in men. Disillusionment comes because men will always let us down. It, the greatest on earth, 
will let you down sooner or later. Because we're all broken and we're all fickle people. And we're desperately in need of help from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's down there with no word from God. Where was God? Did he go on vacation? Did he check out of my story? Did he abandon me here? Have you forgotten me too, Lord? I mean, have you forgotten me like the cupbearer? And man, I wish you were here with me, my friends. I really do wish you were with me because I would ask you right now to say out loud, what's the answer to that question? The answer is, no, God has not forgotten you. Joseph may have thought when he was living in Potiphar's house that the dream was, he was realizing the dream that God gave him and planted in him because he was being elevated and exalted in Potiphar's house. And he, he might have thought, and he would have been satisfied probably with, man, this is my spot. This is what's happening. Look at this. I'm in the palace of Potiphar. I could just see my mom and dad and my brothers coming and bowing down before me. I'm a big dude right now. He would have been satisfied with that. But he couldn't see what God sees. He couldn't see and make sense of God's plans that were bigger than all the things that he had experienced. And they were all coming later on. What God knew that Joseph didn't was that he had to go to the pit, listen to me, in order to meet the cupbearer and to meet the baker. And that meeting that was taking place in that pit was going to put him on the path of the realization of the dream that would take him into the presence of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. There's no way Joseph knew that except to wait on that because that was the plan. And my friends, this is not easy stuff. This is hard stuff for us. It's hard to make sense of all of this. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. <laughs> I think it's a nice way of saying you need to stop trying to figure it out because you can't. There's no way you can understand my ways. So trust me. And because I am so great, the almighty great I am, you have no need to fear or be discouraged. And God's saying to you, my friends, I'm not asleep. I'm totally awake and totally alert to your needs. I won't let your foot slip. I'm watching over you. I'm watching over every aspect of your life. I'm, I'm watching your coming and your going, and I will continue to do this both now and forevermore. Trust in me. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea. 
and he made a way for them. And then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. What are we afraid of? One day you'll make everything new. Jesus, one day you will bind every wound. The former things shall all pass away. No more tears. One day you'll make sense of it all. Jesus, one day every question resolved. Every anxious thought left behind, no more fear. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we victory one day we will see face to face Jesus there a greater vision of grace in a moment we shall be changed on that day one day
courage my friend don't be afraid the Lord our God is with you he will always be with you he will bless you and he will lift his countenance upon you and give you peace and give you grace to meet every need that you have take hope in that trust in that don't cry out for the mountains cry out to the God who created the mountains because he's your father and he loves you and so do we until we meet next time, God bless you. And we're, our prayers are with you. And we ask that God will strengthen every part of your life. God bless you, my friends. We'll see you next time.